All right, we're keeping our distance up here. We're doing our best. All right, uh, and so we're changing up a little bit of the order of this service, uh, and, and so we're going to actually just move from that kid's focus time into the message, okay? And, uh, and so if you're at home, uh, we are really glad that you're here, really thankful uh, that you're joining in on this gathering. There is a gathering happening that you are joining in on, and so I don't know if you can see that from a camera or really feel that or experience that, but, but I hope that you would right where you are, either in one of these seats or on your couch or wherever you are, that you would engage with God during these moments. That's what we're wanting to happen, okay? And so uh, we're going to take another moment and just pray together, okay? But this time I want you to pray specifically for your own heart, uh, specifically for what God wants to say to you this morning. That is our hope that we would get to engage with God and be transformed through that engagement. So right where you are, wherever you are in these seats or uh, on the other side of the screen, take a moment right now and just ask God what he wants to say to you this morning. Even ask God... uh, to uh, prepare your heart for something that he does want to say to you. Heavenly Father, would you answer the prayers of the saints this morning? Uh, Just praying that that you would meet us, God. We believe that you can do more than we could ask or imagine, that you can do that in rooms that are sparsely filled or rooms that are jam-packed or rooms that are on the other side of the city. You can do what you want to. Your arm is not shortened. And so would you do that this morning? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and turn to chapter uh, 28 of Genesis if you have a Bible uh, or an app you can get there. Uh, We are not, uh, we don't have a basket full of Bibles right now because we think that's safer. And uh, and so get on your phone, also not necessarily safe. There's a lot of distraction therein, and so maybe turn it on airplane mode or something if that that would help. But Genesis chapter 28 is where we're going to be this morning. And as a church, if you've been tracking along with us, uh, we are studying the history of redemption that unfolds in the Old Testament, specifically wanting to see how, although this time period is called B.C., so historically that time frame is called B.C., before Christ, God was indeed writing a story of redemption that was focused on Christ. And so this is uh, not our idea, this is Jesus's idea, and he explained that the Old Testament, when, or when he explained the Old Testament, he explained it in relation to himself. He explained all these things as they concerned himself. Get that clock, please, for me. And so one ancient theologian described the Old Testament as a room that is well-furnished, but poorly lit. Okay, so it's a well-furnished room, but it's poorly lit. So we can't really see what's in it very well. The New Testament, the gospel of Jesus, sheds light into that room. And the other way I've heard that said is Jesus is the answer key in the algorithm that helps us make sense or understand the fullness of the Old Testament. Now, you can understand it, but you don't understand the fullness of it without the answer key or the algorithm of Jesus to see that. And so the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we are going to say this over and over again, are one story. Those are not two separate testaments uh, 
they are one story. Uh, well, they are two separate testaments or promises or covenants. That's what that word really means. And it's one storyline underneath all of them. And so uh, what, uh, what that story ultimately is, is a story of redemption. So we have been talking about this. We called this series BC, the history of redemption. What's up, Cha Cha Clan? We're glad you're here. Um, because we have this many people, we can just like call out people right when they walk in, right? That's fun. I know there's people on the screen on their side. My mom is one of them. Uh, and so, uh, but there's a sense in which we're here together. So I'm calling out people when they get here. Um, and so uh, this story is one of redemption. That's why we called it the history of redemption. And I don't know this is, if it could be more clear to you, if there's a season of life that could be more clear or a year in our recent history that this could be more clear, but redemption is desperately needed, is it not? Do you have a sense that, there, that this world we need, live in needs redemption? You're all wearing masks right now because we need redemption. The racial injustices that have that have stoked really just a huge amount of passion and outrage in our, uh, in our country right now, that's because we need, those exist, those, the, the, the outrage, the racism exists uh, right now, and so we need redemption. There's huge numbers of people, uh, the, the numbers of people that have died from COVID are approaching half a million, which is staggering. Right, that, that we don't really comprehend 500,000 people. Like we don't, we don't possibly grasp the fullness of that amount of people. But here's what's crazy to me. Do you know that every year, like 400,000 people die from malaria? Every year. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are dying all the time. It's because we need redemption. There's a lot of 2020 memes that are floating around out there that are uh, honestly pretty funny uh, because they represent really tragic things. I mean, they're funny when they capture the way that they capture them, but they are behind those things are really tragic, hard things. Um, there's one that talks about how to be a leader 2020 style, and it was like, Look down the road without a lot of information. Make one choice that's probably a bad one. Stand beside that choice, even when it turns out to be bad. Hit repeat. And so it's like you just do that over and over again. It's really hard to lead in 2020. But brokenness, you should know this, predated 2020. Brokenness predated 2020. People have been dying not since 2019, but since the beginning of time, since Genesis 3. Really, Genesis 4, I guess, is the first death that occurs. And so my daughter, Lucy, she's been asked, she's gotten this habit of asking what, just all the time. She's like, what, what, what? Sometimes we're not even saying anything. She just asks what, you know? And uh, she's just all the time is just beating the drum of what. And when we said, hey, don't ask what so many times, then she just asked why. And so I was like, good for you, girl. You, good for you. And, but what we find ourselves doing is explaining all the time something that I can only conclude with this statement that it won't be that way when Jesus comes back. All the time I'm telling her about something that will not be that way when Jesus comes back. And so uh, redemption, what you need to understand, will come through a person. Redemption will come through a person, which is interesting because brokenness actually entered the world through a, through your masks, say it, 
person. Well, through a lie from a snake into the heart of a person, but that's where sin was born, is in the heart of a person. And redemption is going to come through a person. And so last week, that's why last week we saw that the history of redemption zoomed in, because redemption will come through a person. Last week we saw the history of it zoom in particularly on one family line. Uh, It goes from a global set of events to a particular family line headed by a guy named Abraham. And uh, this this history becomes laser-focused on one family. The rest of the Old Testament really is just playing out the story of this family. Do you see that? And so God explains that this one, through this one family, every other family on earth will be blessed. That's what we saw last week is uh, through this blessing that comes through a guy named Abraham saying, your family's going to be blessed and be a blessing. Every family on the earth, the blessing that they're going to find is coming through your family line. And so because, this, because through this one family would come one person, that's why it's his family line. I don't know if that is clear in your mind yet. God blesses Abraham and says, you're going to be a blessing to the whole world because through Abraham would come the Messiah, the king who would return and set things right. Redemption would come through his family line. And so God promised to bless Abraham and make him a blessing. And by faith, Abraham believed him. He couldn't see it all. He didn't see it all in his lifetime. Honestly, uh, Speaking with that camera on in the back, there's a bit of faith that like, oh, there's somebody behind, you know, there's somebody behind that. Uh, When it was just the camera, it was really challenging. Now that you're here, I can see you and it's different, okay? And so Abraham was operating in total faith. He didn't see anybody on this side of the camera, so to speak. And so despite daunting realities, Abraham trusted God to bless him and make him a blessing. And so redemption, do you see this, is not the result of our effort, Redemption is the result of God's blessing. And, and, and I actually would, would try to do this. I'll try to never tell you or preach a message that I don't think can transform your life, that if you really believe it will do something magnificent in your soul. I'm, I'm trying to only preach messages that I believe will do something significant in your soul. And that message does something significant in the soul. And so uh, I'm, I'm curious... Uh, before we move forward from here, uh, because when we move forward, we're going to see how this blessing to Abraham moves on to the next generations. So redemption's not going to come through effort, but through blessing. And that blessing's going to come through a family line. And we're going to see how that family line progresses, how the blessing moves from one generation to the next today. But before we do that, what I'm curious to know is if you would say that your family is blessed. Just take an honest a moment. You, you might think to yourself, would I say that my family is blessed? More specifically, when do you find yourself saying that your family is blessed? I would, I would venture to say, you might say, you have said sometime uh, recently, oh man, I feel blessed in this moment. And you might, and you might be like me, I, I'm, I've, I feel like of all the Western individualist individualistic people that I know, I'm the chief of those, right? I feel really at the front end of that team. And so you might even be thinking in terms of your family. You might just be thinking in terms of yourself, or maybe if you have uh, a spouse and kiddos from there, okay? But when uh, do you find yourself thinking that you are blessed? Do some work in your mind right now. When is the last time you felt, oh man, I feel blessed? It might, maybe it's a long time. Maybe it's been a long time. 
I looked up on uh, Instagram, I looked up uh, hashtag blessed, because this is, this is kind of a, a thing. I, I'm a little bit late to, to that, but uh, I, I, I knew it was happening when it was happening. Everybody's saying, you know, hashtag blessed. And they would post these pictures or post these things or highlight these realities or these things in their lives. And, and they would put behind that, they would just put it all underneath this bracket of like hashtag blessed. And, and on Instagram, there's 125 million or approaching 125 million posts that have hashtag blessed in them. That's a lot of blessed people. I don't know how many of those are repeats. Um, and at just a quick scroll through, there's no consensus on what that actually looks like. Uh, you have really people are all like there's there a lot of them are pictures of themselves or pictures of a place they are or the people that are around them or something there's no consensus on what hashtag blessed really means everybody's doing something different with it and so I would it would actually be really easy for me to just spend you know 10 minutes just mocking those people uh, for what appear to be displays of false humility. Now, not everybody who's posting hashtag blessed is displaying false humility, but a lot of people are just using that as a catch-all saying, oh, you know, uh, look at me, I'm on a good vacation, hashtag blessed. Uh, I got a good job, I'm blessed. I'm in good shape. A lot of them are how good of shape people are in, hashtag blessed. And so what they are, I think, are these, these expressions of genuine appreciation for something they perceive to be the uh, favor. They perceive that this thing that they have, whether it's their abs or their beach view or their kids or whatever, is gifted to them in some form or fashion by somebody greater than themselves. And so I'm actually not dogging these people um, because I think that there's something to that. They're recognizing that there's favor that's been shown to them in some form or fashion. Now, however false the humility, I can't get behind that. But they're saying, look, I have something I really value. God has shown me favor. Or somebody, their God, has shown them favor. And so, do you know anybody who does not want to be blessed? If you, if you ra raise your hand if you know somebody who would say, nope, I'm out, I don't want any blessings. Actually, if anybody's giving out curses, I'll take a curse. No takers. Nobody's asking for a curse. Everybody's asking for a blessing. There are some, there are people who would reject the idea of God, and so they would reject the idea of blessings and curses. There's nothing greater than them that could bless or curse them, so they would re reject the whole idea, I think, if you actually got into that. But, but at least, what I find interesting is most people would at least acknowledge the universe. Okay? You, I hear this language showing up where it's like, hey, I just want to put good vibes out into the universe. Why? And they want the universe to bless them. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I hear people saying that like more. I want to put good vibes out, right, to the, to the universe because I'm looking for the universe to bless me. Everybody I know wants a blessing from whatever they think is greater than them. Uh, here's the problem with all these hashtag blessed pictures. Vacations end. Jobs disappear. Bodies age regardless of how much CrossFit they have done or whatever kind of juice cleanse you have accomplished to weed out all of the toxins in your body, it will age. 
these blessings that people are looking to as God's favor or the favor of their God, they run out. And they're not, uh, they're, they're very fragile. And so my question for you is, how do you know you have God's blessing? How can you, in your life, your actual life, with your actual thoughts, with your actual friends and family, in your actual job, and the things that you're doing day in and day out, how can you know that you have God's blessing? And how can you know that you'll keep it? And so here's, just so you know, this is where we're going. God's favor, his blessing, it comes through grace. And God's favor is preserved through grace. It comes through grace, and it is preserved in grace. You get it through grace, you keep it through grace. That's how God's favor works. That's how his blessing works in your actual life, okay? So let's get into the text, Genesis 28. Uh, We're coming across this person in the history of redemption that wants to be blessed more than anybody I know. He wants to be blessed. That's what Jacob's life is on a hunt for is Blessing, But the question we need to answer is whose blessing is he after initially? So go to Genesis 28, verses 10 and 11 is where we're going to start. It says, Jacob, now Jacob is the, great, is the grandson of Abraham. So we, saw, we had Abraham. Abraham had a promised son named Isaac. Isaac had uh, two boys named Jacob and Esau. We're going to get there in a second. But Jacob, he left Beersheba, where his family was, and went toward Haran, where some of his relatives lived. Uh, and he came to a certain place. It was like he came to this place, a certain place, right? So I love that. It's like not a place, like not a city, just a place. And stayed there that night because the sun had set. So pretty strategic plan. He got to a spot, sun went down, I'm going to sleep, okay? Uh, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. All right, so just pause right there. Understand the context that we're, we're coming up against or coming kind of joining alongside Jacob's story at this point where he is running away from his family. He is, he is on the run from his brother because he thinks his brother, who is super jacked, by the way, is going to kill him. And so this, this, this family line of Abraham, as blessed it is, as it is, is extremely dysfunctional, okay? And so if you come from a dysfunctional family, you can just like join the crew, okay? The Bible is about you, all right? And uh, the, the Bible is about God, but it, it's a lot filled with a lot of dysfunctional families. So you can see yourself in there. That's what I mean. But this is a dysfunctional family of blessing. Here's what I mean. Abraham has Isaac. Okay, and you know what God says to Isaac? I, he says, I'm going to bless you with the same blessing that I gave to your dad. Okay, so the blessing I gave to your dad, the one that says, hey, you're gonna become a great nation and all the other families of the earth are gonna be blessed through you. You got that blessing, man, so let's move on. And so Isaac gets that. There's not a ton on Isaac, actually, um, but uh, God affirms the blessing to Abraham to his one promised son, which actually makes things really easy because it's like, uh, Ishmael, we're not talking about Ishmael, we're talking about this promised son of Isaac. And it was a miraculous experience where Isaac was born to these very, 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 very old people, uh, Abraham and Sarah. But then Isaac, he has twins, 
Okay, and so here's where there becomes a little bit of complication with this whole blessing thing. Because remember, God's going to do something through a particular family to bring a person of redemption. And so we get to this point where Isaac, he has twins, and they're named Jacob and Esau. Esau's the older one. He's got red hair and lots of it. Okay, so he's a super hairy, red-headed dude from the get-go. He's really good at hunting. Uh, that's what we get from the text. And he's the daddy's boy. Like, dad loves Esau. Isaac favors Esau. Okay? And then there's another twin. He comes out holding on to his brother's heel. He's basically like a cheater from the get-go, uh, a deceptive, tent-dwelling, sneaky mama's boy. That's who Jacob is. And that's like from the text. That's not made up. That's not, very little inference is done there. That's what the text is getting at. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, loves uh, Jacob. She favors Jacob. And he says, literally, he's like a man, a tent-dwelling man. He wants to be inside, okay? He's like, it's hot out there, and the deer are fast. You know, old red has got it taken care of, so I'm just going to hang here, read books, and wait till somebody makes dinner. Or I'll make dinner, because at least I can do that. Right, so that's Jacob. That's the picture we get of him, okay? And so when it comes time to give his blessing, Isaac's very, very old. His eyes don't really work well. He can't see. And, and Isaac took, takes matters into his own hands, and he says, uh, I'm going to bless Esau. I'm going to give this blessing, which in that ancient period was, functioned more like a will, okay? There's a real consequence when a father issues a blessing to a son. It's, it's like a it's like a significant contract. It's not something you just say, oh, well, actually, I'm just going to uh, bless you. And then uh, actually kind of I'm going to retract that and give that to you. It was like a one and done. This is a real thing that's happening. Okay. And so when it comes time to give his blessing, Isaac probably knew what God had spoken to Rebecca when Rebecca found out she had twins. Okay. Rebecca found out she had twins and, uh, and God said, hey, the older one is going to serve the younger. And she had this stored away in her heart and in her head for a long time. And, uh, and so Isaac probably knew that. He favored, Je he favored Esau. And so when it came time to give blessing, he didn't have both sons there. He just had one son there, which was not the custom. So he said, we're going to leave Jacob out of this whole thing, tent dweller. Esau, you're my boy. I'm going to get you with the blessing, man. Go shoot me something nice in the field. Make me a really good dinner. And we're going to give you your blessing. That's how he takes things into his own hands. But um, that, that feels really dysfunctional, doesn't it? There's a lot of dysfunction even from Isaac's generation. It's not just Jacob. But Jacob, being the deceptive, sneaky guy that he is, partners up with Rebecca, who's on his side, his mom. And his mom and Jacob come up with a plan to steal Esau's blessing, which, again, is a consequential thing. It's not like a... It's not like a uh, hey, you're a great dude. Thanks for being my son. It's like a, a will that's being uh, given away. And so here's their really great plan. They're like, dress him up like Esau. Because dad is blind. And so when he comes, to, and mom makes the, makes, Jacob doesn't even make the meal. How great is this? Like his mom makes the meal that he's going to give to his dad. He doesn't even make the meal. And so mom makes the meal. She, he, he dresses up like his brother. He puts on like all of his brother's clothes. And his brother's his brother so hairy that they like kill a goat, the goat they killed to make the meal. They like put on his hands so his hands feel really hairy on his neck. So I mean like Esau is a hairy dude. Okay, that's what I take from that. And, uh, and so he goes in and he, he, he lies to his dad. 
And he just, he just flat out lies. I watched a Lance Armstrong documentary recently. I get dogged for watching a lot of documentaries by Andy Friedrichs. So Andy, thank you for that. Um, but uh, I do watch a lot of documentaries. I watched the Lance Armstrong one. H- heads up, there's a lot of language in there. Um, but the thing that really I think people are frustrated with Lance Armstrong for is that he just straight up lied a lot of times under oath to people's faces on camera 10,000 times. He just lied. And people are furious with Lance Armstrong for this. Let me tell you what the blessed one of God does. Genesis 27, verses 18 and 19, I'll read it to you. I think it'll be on the screen. This is, this is Jacob going in. He says, so he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Remember, he can't see. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. I, you guys catch that? That is a straight up lie. Who are you? I'm somebody else other than who I am. <laughs> it's just like right there. And then Genesis 27, 24, a few verses later, he said, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob, he answered, I am. Just, he's like, I'll give you another chance, man, to back out of this deal. Nope, I'm Esau. Give me the blessing. And, and Isaac, their family's so twisted, he's like, I need to smell him. I need to, he like pulls him over close. He's like, his voice sounds like Jacob, but he's so hairy. It's got to be Esau. This is what's happening in the Bible. And so the question that you've got to ask here is whose blessing is Jacob seeking? He's seeking his father's blessing. But how is he trying to get it? Whatever it takes. Deception, lying, doesn't matter. He just needs his hands on the blessing. Okay? And then, and then he's going to get approval from his dad. Maybe then his dad would think of him as worthy. Maybe then he could have standing in his family if he could just do anything it takes, even disguise himself. And so before we think that we're not like Jacob, before you think that you don't ever do this, just ask yourself, who do you disguise yourself to be? And whose blessing are you looking for? All that hashtag blessed social media stuff I just was talking about, social media is probably the forefront of places where people dress up in their disguises looking for the blessing of God, maybe, mostly other people. Maybe you're in this job that you're in just trying to hunt down a blessing from your dad. Maybe you're... uh, in a house that you shouldn't, you can't really afford to be in and it's just crushing you uh, so you could have the status that you finally hoped you could have. Whatever it may be, we are oftentimes after approval from our parents, from our friends, from society, from whoever it may be. It may even be that you're dressing up yourself to get God's approval. 
hey, let me dress myself up with uh, my attendance at this gathering. Just a few of you are getting God's approval then today, you know? Or let me dress myself up with uh, how much money I gave away. Or let me dress myself up. Anything I can do to disguise my heart and make myself seem like somebody who's worthy of God's blessing. Let me do that. And so here's the thing. God is not impressed with our disguised selves. You can fool a lot of people. You want to see a really, actually don't watch this very messed up documentary about Jeffrey Epstein. It will not be good for you. I turned it off because it was too dark. But if there is anybody the world would say worthy of blessing on the front end, it's Jeffrey Epstein. He's he's wealthy beyond imagination. He's intelligent. He's well-connected. Everybody approves of Jeffrey Epstein, except at the end of things, except for Jeffrey Epstein because he knows. So God is not impressed with our disguised selves. That's what makes what happens next so crazy. In Genesis 28, we're finally there, okay? Back to verse 12, and it says, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. All this language is building up to this point. Verse 13, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Here's the deal. Jacob receives this blessing from God, but he knows how he got the blessing from his father. So he's out there on the run from his brother who wants to kill him, lays down that night. I don't think his conscience is doing great, but into this moment, he has a vision of the Lord God Almighty, the God of his grandfather Abraham, his dad Isaac, and he's speaking to him a blessing. So do you see how shocking that is? God meets him in this place. He encounters God for the first time. See, I don't think actually that the faith of Abraham was the faith of Jacob at this point. I don't think the faith of Abraham was the faith of Jacob until this point. Jacob wanted the approval and the blessing of Isaac. That's why he did whatever he did to get it from Isaac. He wasn't looking for God's approval and his blessing, but what he gets is God's approval and his blessing. And so kids, if you're in here or if you're listening, or maybe you're just somebody who's grown up in your parents' faith, and for your whole life it's just been their faith, what you need is an encounter with your parents and your grandparents' God. We all need this encounter with God because we need this blessing. This is precisely the type of blessing that we need is God's approval, God's blessing in our life, not any of these other fragile, short-lived blessings that will just get uh, really just bounced around for the rest of your life until you die. We need God's blessing. And so do you find anything in yourself that's like, hey, why him? He doesn't, this guy is a bad guy. 
He's actually going to go on from here and do some kind of sneaky stuff to, to get a lot of wealth from his father-in-law. So he's not just like, he's not, he's not an upstanding guy. He doesn't deserve that. Does anything in you see that or feel that? And when you feel that, just be reminded that that's exactly why the gospel's good news for you. It's true that he didn't deserve it. Jacob did not deserve God's blessing. Do you see that? And that's actually the story of the Bible. Unmerited favor. That's the point. It's precisely why we can have hope that we can receive God's blessing. You have hope right now in your actual lives, that when you're sitting at your actual computers, talking to your actual friends, getting in an argument with your actual spouse. I'm just trying to anchor this in your real life. You can know that as messed up as you are, as dysfunctional as your family is, as much baggage as you're carrying, as broken as you are, and as much sin you don't really want anybody to know about, God can and in Jesus is blessing you. You. A thief and a liar was God's chosen one. It was the chosen family line that would bring the rescuer of the world. And so God's favor comes through God's grace. So Jacob and God both know that Jacob didn't earn God's blessing, which is why I think he needs verse 15. It says, Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. Listen to that. God says, I'm going to bless you, Jacob. You know Jacob's thinking, I don't think this is a good idea. How am I going to live up to this? Don't you know all that's in me? Don't you know that I'm really, really messed up? Don't you know how I got this blessing from my dad? God says, behold. Just like, look. Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land that he promised to give him. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That is good news. How do you remain in God's favor? The same way you got in, God's grace God's grace is in his presence with you. There's two things that threaten God's blessing in your life. Uh, evil in you and evil in the world. And so we're seeing now that the, even the brokenness in you is not going to uh, hold back God's blessing of you in Jesus. We'll see that the evil in the world, the brokenness in the world is not going to hold back his blessing of you. That's what we're going to see in the life of Joseph. And there's one thing that speaks to both of these. Two, two problems, evil out there, evil in here. One thing that speaks to both of them, God says, I am with you. How can you keep God's favor with his presence with you? And so God with us, there's two problems that come up. You don't actually believe that he is with you. You don't actually believe that. We don't actually day in and day out in our actual moments of failure and stupidity, we forget that God is actually with us and has promised to bless us, okay? I saw a girl at the zoo yesterday. I was at the zoo yesterday, so stay away from me, okay? And so I saw a girl at the zoo, and her shirt said righteous on it. That's all it said. And I thought how funny it would be if we all just wore around shirts that said exactly what we thought of ourselves. What would your shirt say? 
I can tell you what mine would say a lot of the time. Failure, unworthy, incapable, disappointment. I don't know what your shirt would say. But this little girl's shirt said righteous. I was like, oh man, if we just knew that, right? God is with you, not because you're worthy, but because he is. And then the second problem, we don't believe that that's enough. We don't believe maybe that if God was with us, that that would change everything in your life. I have a friend who went to Florida with his wife's family recently. My question when I'm going to Florida is like, should we drive or should we fly? And when I think about flying, I think about going to the airport with normal people, okay, which is why I would probably drive right now because I don't like going to the airport, especially right now. And, and so, but there, the, for them, the question was, should we fly or should we fly on my brother-in-law's family's jet? And it's like, that's a different story, right? This, it's like a legit jet too. Like, like um, you could fit a lot of people on it and fly to another country jet. Probably like Michael flies. He has access to this amazing wealth. And don't you know that that impacts his day-to-day? For us, we have access to God. He is with us. Doesn't that change our day-to-day? And so Jacob got a glimpse of that when he looked up. He saw a ladder, and he saw God at the top of the ladder, and it changed everything for him. And so he knew his hope is not that he was going to get it right, but that God was with him. That's our hope. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said this. This is what God has said. Why you don't have to try to look for blessing in a financial monetary way. Why? Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's our hope. It is enough. And so the application that we get for this is how do we respond to this blessing that you, like Jacob, have through Jesus now. God's favor has come into your life. Why? Because of faith in Jesus. Uh, And then uh, his favor is going to stay with you. Why? Because of God's presence with you. He's going to go with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so what do you do? You can endure. This gives you endurance. The scriptures... The people in the scriptures who have understood this truth were not empowered to lead easy lives. You've got to know that. They were empowered to do crazy things, to take a whole people group out of one slavery through, through a sea, right, through the Red Sea and march around in the wilderness for 40 years in the desert and then go into God's promised land. You know why Moses could do that? Because God told Moses, I'm with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exiled from their homeland in this other place. They wouldn't worship any other gods, right? And so they got thrown in a furnace. You know what happened in the furnace? God was with them. It said there was a fourth person there. Who do you think the fourth person was? The fourth person was God with them. That's what was happening. They weren't empowered to lead easy lives. They were actually empowered to do incredibly difficult things because their confidence that God's approval of them and presence with them was unshakable because it was rooted in his grip of them, not their grip on him. Romans 8, 38, 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor, nor, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our promise. You don't get into his favor because you earned it. Like Jacob, we're all a bunch of deceivers disguising ourselves, looking for silly blessings until God showed up and said, I'm going to dress you in some other kind of robe, some other kind of clothing and give you my blessing. And so that's what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus actually said of himself, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Didn't you just see that language? There's a ladder there, ascending and descending with angels. Jesus says, it's me. I'm the way that you get in between here and the Father. He says in John 10, 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You know what Bethel is? It's called the gate of heaven, the place where Jacob wakes up and he says, whoa, the Lord was here. He calls the place Bethel because it's the gate of heaven. Jesus says, I'm the gate. We seek the approval of a different father and we wear clothing of a different brother. You seek God's approval in Jesus. We wear his righteousness. That's what we're told. And so when you put on those robes, the crazy thing about them is that they don't disguise who you are. They actually transform who you are. You seek the approval of a different father by wearing the clothing of a different brother, not looking for a blessing from an earthly father, but from a heavenly father, wearing the clothing of our big brother Jesus, his righteousness. And when you know that, this is the last thing I'm going to tell you, and, when, and then we're going to sing, okay? So you guys can start coming on up. Um, when you know what you have, when you know the blessing that you have, church, and how you came to have it. And how you're going to keep it. You will give it away. You will give that away. When you know what you have, how you got it, how you'll keep it, you'll give it away. And that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 18. Or Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, and when Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What are you, what are we doing? In your life, in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood, when God calls you to another a city because you get a different job or when he calls you to another country because you want to go to that place. Whenever you are going, wherever you're doing, you're giving away the blessing that has been given to you. Do you see that? Go and teach them to look for God's blessing in Jesus. Carry that blessing to the edge of the world. And what do you know when you're doing that? Verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Heavenly Father, <laughs> we don't get this. I've, I've, I've tried, I've spent all week trying to understand this and trying to believe this. 
and trying to remember this and act on this, that you love me, that you have approved of me through Jesus and that you are with me no matter what. And I'm convinced that even just the people in the room or the people on the other side of these screens, if they would recognize and know this, that that would be enough for them. And if there's anybody in this room or anybody who's listening, God, who uh, honestly just needs to wrestle with you like Jacob ended up wrestling with you at, the, at this river, God, would you, would you wrestle them in their hearts and would you give them faith even just to cling on to you to know the blessing that they have in Jesus? Would you give them the endurance to wrestle until they know for certain that in Christ Jesus they have been blessed, that you've promised that you'll be with us? And God, in all of this, would you turn us into worshipers like Jacob, not worshiping in a geographic location, but worshiping uh, not, not in a place, but worshiping a person of Jesus. Would you help us do that even now? We love you, God. We need you. It's in Jesus' name.